I want you to do me a favor. Yeah, sure. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. What? Let it out. I want you to hit me. Trust me. Come on. Come on. Stop trying to hit me and hit me. Hit me, baby, one more time. And now, our feature presentation. Greetings, Earth listeners. Prepare for auditory reflections on past media, on podcast. Welcome to Hit Me One More Time. I am human host David Luzader, and with me is also other human host, Nick Shermooksness. Nick! <laughs> I, I would love to, to do the alien voice, but I know I'm going to stumble and fail, so I'm not even going to try. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> We're not, you don't, you don't want to do the hey, whole dude. episode talking like that? Yeah, you know, if I knew you were going to do that, and I really should have assumed you were going to do that, I, <laughs> you I really should myself. But <laughs> uh, it's it, it would I would probably end up with like an Australian accent or something. Oh uh, well, uh, keen-eared listeners who stayed through our Streets of Rage episode will have heard your <laughs> your attempts at a, a British accent. So good day, Jetto Janetto meat. Well, I was watching. I was watching the movie with with my partner, and so when like they, they there were just so many amazing lines. So when they would say stuff like Janetto mate, I'm like, is it cool if I call you my Janetto mate? Like, <laughs> you know, does it work? Uh, and long story short, Nick is now single. Is, Hello, uh, is how that works. Uh, no, no, no. I'm. I'm oh God. Oh, no, no, I swear, oh. I'm still taking. Oh God. <laughs> number one. This is episode number twenty, which means for those who've been paying attention on the. On the tens, Nick and I will not have a guest. It'll just be the two of us, and we will take turns picking the subject. This week was my pick, and we're gonna get into Coneheads here in a minute. Sometimes, some sometimes when I'm like introducing a show, I'm like, we're not gonna introduce the topic, even though like the title of the episode <laughs> is what we're talking about. So hold, just, hold them in suspense. Yeah, yeah. So it's like if for some reason you're just hitting blind play on your podcast. Uh, <laughs> Let's just go ahead and get into the topic then. <laughs> this week's topic, as uh, as as you've probably seen, is Coneheads. This 1993 sci-fi comedy film is about two extraterrestrials, Beldar and Primat, after they crash land on Earth. The couple, along with a daughter they have, try to fit into American suburban life while awaiting rescue from their home planet of Remulac. This... Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm, yes. The, the, mm, yes. The 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 description, while accurate, somehow doesn't really scratch the surface of the movie. And it's not like it's a particularly complex movie, right? But to to the movie's credit, like it does such a good job of um, what's the term for like making it feel lived in. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's so ridiculous, and yet, like I kind of like was really going characters even certain characters that maybe weren't on screen for that long yeah oh we're going to talk about a lot of these characters that show up for one scene um, because the sheer number of people who are in this movie uh is pretty crazy before we get into our discussion though we have a couple more things we usually do first up is discussing the personal histories with this topic since i brought this movie here i'm going to go first this time and uh, my history with coneheads is that this is a movie that I we it was part of my family like we I remember watching this we used to quote it all the time when I was a little kid but I don't rem I didn't I don't remember a lot of it I uh I don't think I've seen this since maybe like even being a, a teenager like this is something for some reason I had to stick memories as a kid watching and being part of my life but mm -hmm. I, and I could remember one or two scenes because I remember like maybe the last time I saw any of this movie, it was like playing on TV and I had it in the background. There's just a couple of scenes that I remember catching, but I could not have named most of actual plot points or plot what happened. But like a lot of the jokes, you know, the like the we are from France is burned <laughs> into my comedy DNA and and the the look of them and like him opening, unhinging his mouth to open up his <laughs> shark jaw you know all these little things were, came to me in flashes and i remembered thinking this movie was really funny but then i saw that it was on netflix recently and i'm like oh is it though is like then is that worth visiting and then i remember i did this podcast and i'm like perfect we're gonna find out 
which is how it ended up here. Nick, have you ever even heard of Coneheads before? I told I, you about this. I I have. Um, that being said, I never watched it before this episode. Um, I want to say, I, I feel like it was a movie that as I was wandering the aisles of Blockbuster as a child, also when I wandered the aisles of Blockbuster while working there, <laughs> uh, you know, it's a movie that would stick off the shelf. And I was like, Coneheads. And I don't know if I ever saw clips from it or not. Like I was aware of it. I didn't even really think about who was in it. Like basically it was a non-entity in my life. It was something I knew about. I, I knew existed, but that was it. Um, and I, I really, I don't think I'd ever really heard about like its cult status or if it was popular or not or anything like that. Um, so really I, I, I went in blind, my partner and I went in blind when we watched this and like, it took very little time for me to become completely enamored with this movie. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to hear that. And I, Happy also to report that I did not fall apart immediately thinking my entire childhood was a lie. Uh, (laughs) We'll get more into the specifics of that because, Nick, first, I want you to tell us the world's history with Coneheads. How did it come to be? Uh, Coneheads began as a sketch on Saturday Night Live created by Dan Aykroyd, Jane Curtin, and Tom Davis. Aykroyd credits the creation of the characters to marijuana consumption and says the appearance was based on the Maui, uh, the Mao, sorry, Maui. the launch Mao, the Mao, anyway, Maui. No, Maui was based was right. on the what Maui was correct. Oh, uh, and says the appearance was based on the Maui, the large stone heads on Easter Island. The characters first appeared on SNL on January 15, 1977, and went on to make 11 appearances on SNL. They were turned into a Rankin slash Bass animated special in 1983 with a plot similar to the one used in the 1993 film. Tom Davis wrote the first draft of the film script, but was unhappy with some of the changes made in the final product. The film premiered July 23, 1993 to negative critic reviews and went on to be a box office flop. The character of the Coneheads made more recent appearances in State Farm commercials in 2015. Uh, so right off the bat, I cannot believe that it opened to negative critic reviews and flop. I mean, to be actually no. I can believe that it flopped, but I'm baffled that it was negative critic reviews. Yeah, yeah. When I was looking this up, I thought, like, you know, I didn't expect it to have amazing critic reviews, but I thought people would say, like, oh, it's a, it's a decent comedy. Uh, no, a lot of people did not, in fact, say that. And I, I believe uh, Roger Ebert gave it, like, one and a half stars. And he <laughs> called it he called it dismal, drear, dreary, and fairly desperate. And, dreary yeah and Desperate? the act and the actors as unable to overcome an uninspired screenplay so roger ebert was not a fan uh, wow. but, but some people did enjoy it uh, uh janet maslin of the new york times says that it has its dopey charm and uh you know th- there were some people who did who did in- enjoy it but their the, the, their enjoyment is irrelevant to our final judgment which will stand for all time because we are the, the final word on such things. But I, I want to ask you, Nick, were you a, a Saturday Night Live person? Was that ever like a, a you know, because we all, we all catch the, the popular Saturday Night Live clips and, you know, we see the, the ones that get passed around. But was there ever like a point in your life where you actually made the effort to watch Saturday Night Live? Um, no. Definitely not on Saturdays, as far as I recall. I, yeah, basically, as you said, like if something hit YouTube or, you know, the the social media sphere, and I would generally catch it. Um, but I was definitely not a Saturday Night Live person, and it wasn't something that I ever sought out. It was, yeah, it was, that was another thing that was uh, part of my family, like growing up was SNL and then I, I was really into it kind of in, in high school and like in the beginning to college and would would try to watch it. I remember one time, um, this was more like middle school when I was uh, a Boy Scout in that very brief and storied time in my life. <laughs> and we were doing a stay over at a, a fire station. And so, we, you know, we'd be going out, uh, one of us would go out with them on calls um, mm-hmm. I don't know why we did this in Boy Scouts. <laughs> Not that I don't know what we were uh, like accomplishing, you know, watching them apply medical care to somebody who fell on a Taco Bell. Uh, <laughs> but I remember it was late on a Saturday night, and 
they were trying to my my troop who was there was trying to pick are we going to watch Mad TV or SNL and it came down to me because there was half the people wanted to watch Mad TV half the people wanted to watch SNL this was like the culmination of those rivalries all came down to a, a fire station in Phoenix Arizona with 13 year old boys their their target demographic and uh, I ended up picking SNL and I stand by that choice to this day but. I don't think that SNL has characters today the way they did like back then cuz I I don't there's no there's no like characters now that I think would be made into a movie the way like Wayne's World was also one of my favorite films of all times uh <laughs> Coneheads uh Superstar I you know I don't think like I I just can't think of any characters I mean I guess maybe Lonely Island, kind of. I was, I was thinking that was the one I was trying. I was, I was thinking of, yeah, yeah. But it just seems like when, it's... when was like the last like SNL quote unquote made movie? I don't know. I was, I was gonna try. You know, you'd think that I would have uh, tried to pull that information up before getting to it. This was also, as I'm trying to figure out that information, this was also an era of people who like were going to be really big but weren't and like were all these like small little parts showing up like i think you texted me as i'd started because again been years since i've seen it you're like everybody is in this movie they really are it's it's true like there's like a a scene you know one scene you'll be watching is like oh is that adam sandler oh okay oh sinbad's in this movie wait a minute is that drew carey just like every scene (laughs) has someone like that it's true um and and so young right like i mean i think for i mean for us but but for me specifically because i i i didn't i mean i guess neither of us technically did grow up with this generation um but for me like you know by the time like say seinfeld came around i never really watched seinfeld either i know everyone listening i'm lame um but like for me, a lot of these actors were already like middle-aged or older when they sort of came into my view. So I'm sitting here and seeing, um, what's his name? Is it George Costanza? On, oh, uh, Jason Stanfield? Alexander. Yeah. Jason Alexander. And I was like, oh, damn. Jason Alexander, you, you look pretty good. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Kramer as well from Seinfeld. Oh, that was that's um, weird. seeing Michael Richards in any non SNL appearance is so or not SNL um, Seinfeld appearance is so weird. Like he's also in this movie UHF with Weird mm-hmm. Al, and uh, he's like a pr- prominent role in there. And that's like the only other thing I've ever seen him in that he is like a prominent role. But and I, yeah, no, yeah, that's true. All right, so here's here's the la- the latest SNL movie uh, was MacGruber in 2010. Mac- oh man, MacGruber! I, I never saw it, but I <laughs> I remember it. I'm pretty sure it's actually getting turned into a TV show now. Not MacGyver. No, MacGruber, which is a, a parody of MacGyver with Will. No, Fortune. no, I know. I just I hadn't heard of the TV show version. Uh, yeah, apparently it's going to be on, on Peacock, but that's the last one in 2010. And, uh, I mean, it's been over 10 years, but then again, it had been 10 years between MacGruber and the last SNL film before then. So maybe something will surprise me. I don't know. Right. I forgot the Blues Uh, Brothers was also an SNL skit. Anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, (laughs) I'm sure we could, we could run down every, every film, you know, that originated from SNL. Yeah. People have uh, tuned out pretty quickly on this one. Uh, like, why are they just going to start but, listing Night at the Roxbury references soon? It's but look, Conehead, let's Cone let's heads. bring it back to that. Yeah. Um, so as, as we said, Conehead Coneheads is about this uh, this couple that that come from space and crash on Earth, um, and, and then raise a family because they're stuck there for a long time. And many zeros. And the what? The, the, many, many, many zeros. Yeah, I can't even remember all like the other like alternate descriptions they had for certain words, but <laughs> glib glop, somebody fly. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so right off the bat, um, I, I will say that the, the the despite being alien, 
uh, this was clearly a movie written by men um, <laughs> because like the okay. aliens were like it, it was and, and maybe it, maybe it was somewhat intentionally because like they you know they get into sort of that traditional suburban life where maybe it was still like extra patriarchal um but just like the the family unit was very peculiar um and you know he would go off to work and she would stay home and and, and care for the house and raise the child um and I, i'm curious how much of that actually is similar to their to how relationship obviously i'm trying to have a really serious discussion about <laughs> patriarchy <laughs> about with the coneheads movie and wondering how that actually developed on remulac well, um, but that that was something that stuck out to me. Yeah, yeah, and I took that a little bit of like them trying to fit into the suburban life, right? Like they're trying to blend in, despite the fact that they have these giant heads. Obviously, you know that's like that's the 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 humor of this largely is everybody treating them normally, <laughs> right? And even like like okay, you're a little bit weird, but. I mean, it, you know, it would like be in the dentist in the dentist scene, right? Yeah, that's like, not human. No, but but John Lovett's reaction, another cameo in this movie. John Lovett's reaction isn't like, ah, you're an alien. It's just like, okay, you're weird, but we're gonna deal with it because and with the the, the INS agents too. Like they they eventually realize that they're dealing with aliens, but it still just sort of feels like, oh, aliens. Like, yeah, like I'm taking credit for this, you know? Like it still feels like blue collar reactions yeah. to the situation right right the 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 mundane aspect of all of it i think is largely what makes the comedy work uh um, right. along with that like the fact of yeah you you there, there are social norms and social pressure for all of us to act normal all the time so like you wouldn't go out of your way and be like hey man are you an alien right it's right. a John John Mulaney has a great bit about amnesia and like amnesia in movies whenever somebody like wakes up from an accident and they're surrounded by people that they they know but you know they they now have amnesia in the movie the reaction is always like who are you people it's like that's not what would what you would do like you would right. wake up and people would be like oh i'm so glad you're awake you'd be like oh hey man and, like you, you, you like would, you're at a dinner party with people you know you've met before but right. can't quite place exactly like you're not gonna freak out first thing you're just gonna like treat it like yeah i this is normal i know you <laughs> it's true it's true gosh yeah there's there's so many little elements and and you know and it's funny because you're, you're you are watching sort of the quote-unquote american dream progress as he goes from like working you know in like a fix-it shop in a junkyard um to like sort of having that you know two-story home mm -hmm. uh or two-floor home whatever the terms are um and and just and like getting in, <laughs> ingratiated into their neighborhood and like you said like they, they just sort of People just sort of treat them mostly, you know, the same. Or there's weird stuff like um, uh, uh, with Jason Alexander, he's having trouble with his lawnmower. They're the next, he's playing his next door neighbor. And uh, Beldar comes over and he's like, oh, Beldar, maybe you could help me. Like, I'm having trouble getting my lawnmower to start. And Beldar, like, takes a piece from the lawnmower and, like, sticks it in his mouth and, like, chews it around or whatever. And then takes yes. it out, puts it in, and starts the lawnmower. And Jason Alexander's just like, yeah. Okay, that's great. Yeah, all right, cool, thanks. I think there's uh, another scene with Jason Alexander. There's like one one time when someone really calls out how weird Beldar's head is. Uh, Tom Arnold runs up and makes some comment at it, and Jason Alexander's response is like, don't listen to him, he's not a member. Buddy, what's with the head? <laughs> Forget him, he's not a member. Oh yeah. It's just like don't don't worry about that guy. Like we right. all we all oh, and he also is having a conversation with him about like, have you ever considered like a toupee as if that's gonna make him look normal? You know, as if he had a little bit of hair up there. <laughs> uh, um or or the scene he's he's in the, the shower room and he walks and you know, he's walking naked into the, the group oh, shower gosh. and oh. he, he doesn't have a butt. And he's got like weird nubs on his lower back. <laughs> yes, but but again, it goes back to that think thing of like think of how much like what would 
yeah, you would you would look at you might like look like some of the people were like, that's weird. But what are you gonna do? Be like, hey man, <laughs> why why don't you have a butt crack? That's just not something <laughs> we do in polite society. <laughs> oh, polite society, yeah. and it, and it's. <sighs> And, and and the noises they make, like the oh, <laughs> noises, like what have you done to your cone? Nothing. No. Turn around. In in any other in any other situation, I would find those those sounds incredibly obnoxious. But I was like cracking up while watching this movie. And then even like so so yesterday, my my brother took me off roading in his Dreamboat Jeep. Which is not necessarily something that I would ever do, but like you know, anytime there was like a large like bump or whatever, and I'd shake around, and be like, eh, <laughs> like making the sounds, like thinking of the movie while I was doing it. And like I wouldn't normally sound like that either, but like it's just like it's like having a song stuck in your head. Like that's the I want to react like them for some weird, stupid reason. No, I get it, and it's really it really is fun. Like after my girlfriend and I watched it yesterday, we were just like around the apartment, just being like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> for the rest of the day it's just a very enjoyable it, it's true like it reminds me of the um uh the dumb and dumber when they have the guy in the the van and they're like you want to hear the most annoying sound in the world and they like basically screech right at his face and it is <laughs> very annoying but there's something about the way that dan Aykroyd and and jane Curtin do it that is just so amusing and mm-hmm. i mean that's it is their performance in like the way that they can say these insanely absurd lines that <laughs> makes it so enjoyable right uh like, i want to see the bloopers uh, of this movie because you, you, i can't imagine excuse me i can't imagine that they didn't take like several takes in certain things like if they're doing like or or Beldar's like Dan Aykroyd's coming around and he's just like really close to someone's face and like his eyes are bulging and he's saying whatever the hell it is he's saying it just I I mean if he came up to, if I even if I was a professional actor if he came up to me and started doing something like that I would be dying yeah like there's a there's a line that I really enjoy his delivery of I mean there's so many great lines and I I you know, it's hard to pick, but I really enjoy when his wife uh, asks him, "Are you are you satisfied with me? Like, are you content with me?" And uh, you know, if I were to die, would you remarry? Um, not using their words because their words are insane. And <laughs> his response is, "Ah, my most precious one, I would collapse. I would draw the shades, and I would live in the dark. I would never get out of my slar pad nor clean myself." My fluids would coagulate, my cone would shrivel, and I would die, miserable and lonely. The stench would be great. Right. <laughs> so weird, but also the way that he says it, you're kind of like, aw. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, there was a lot of times it was sort of like they, they would just take known freight, like known expressions that, that we would use and then sort of find their most like technical and yet somehow still hilarious response. Like there's a scene where um, the character of Lisa, who uh, was uh, Jason Alexander's wife, is grocery shopping with Primat, and uh, I don't remember what led to her saying it, but she was like, "All men are pigs," and she's and Primat's like, "Ah, pigs, an omnivorous, domesticated, cloven-hooved vertebrate that defecates in the same place it consumes." And she's like, "Exactly." <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Oh. Or oh, I love this one too. Um, um, it, 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 towards the end of the movie, Beldar is um, presenting uh, his his gifts to the the high master on on Remulac, oh, yes. uh, and he and he's showing like in uh, uh, here an owner's manual to a Ford Lincoln Mercury Sable, and high master's like a Ford Lincoln Mercury Sable, and Beldar's like a personal conveyance named after its inventor, an assassinated ruler, a character from Greco Roman myth, and a small fur covered mammal. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I hadn't really thought about it like that before, but that's what right. it's named for. And I think that actually gets to the heart, and we sort of touched on this before. Like, this is what gets to the heart of like why I was enjoying this movie so much was that it really it took these things that we were taking for granted and, and like really mundane things, right? Like, mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of the universe, like no one gives a crap why something was called a Ford Lincoln Mercury Sable. Um, 
but because he kind of points out like sort of the origins of what it means, like and this sounds like more serious than I'm really trying to intend, but like it just it really shows how almost alien in a way our own lifestyles are. You know, this is me trying to be profound about. Oh, things, by whoa! The way. I just realized what those comics are. Those comics, like where the alien does this, like what we're talking about here. Uh, you've seen, I, I, um, man, it's like there's a specific guy that makes them, but you know what I'm talking about? He says as he tries to surreptitiously Google it uh, while still on the podcast. <laughs> the, the comics? Um, I do not, but you might want to edit some of the, the dead air if you figure it out. Um, it's, it's it, it, man, what is, it's, so it's, a, it's a strip this guy's been doing for a while where it's basically... Uh, Nathan Piles, Nathan Piles comics where it's typically like aliens discussing normal things, but they are. Oh, oh, yeah, like little green aliens. Yeah, so this is, uh, this is a, so they're like they're, I'm looking at one right now, and it's two aliens sitting down at a restaurant, and their waiter comes up to them with a, with a bowl of chips and says, This is the gift with the implicit understanding you will purchase more. And the aliens accept it. And then as they're eating the chips, one's like, I am nearing capacity, but we must not decrease our order. It is the right thing to do. And <laughs> it's basically what we're talking about here, which is just like these normal everyday little interactions, but putting words to them or naming them very explicitly. I'm on to you, right. Nathan Pyle. You stole this idea from Coneheads. <laughs> Oh yeah. Um, I, I want to real quick. I want to. I want to call back to the the grocery store scene because it has one of my favorite moments that uh, that Jane Curtin does, and she does it so well. There's no dialogue. It is all in her expression and uh, in the sounds she makes when she sees eggplants, and she doesn't know what they are. She just sees them from an angle, and you know she thinks they're like. They're cone heads, like they're like shrunken down cone heads or something. Right. And she starts screaming <laughs> this very hilarious sound and then walks over and picks one up and notices what it is and then starts to laugh. <laughs> There's just something in the way that she does it that is like I can't even put the clip in because it's not going to work without the visuals of her face, <laughs> but it's so good. Yeah, no, Jane, Jane Curtin did a really awesome job with with the role um and and another um I, I really liked the scenes with the ins agents um uh, the michael mckean I, I think was the the deputy commissioner yeah and, and, i mean he's speak, awful yeah. like he is such a, a terrible person and like any of the scenes were like like when he was speaking on the boat to the the the, the boat of immigrants like yeah. trying to cross into the country and um or the he talked about like setting up the, like the electrified front the french the electrified french the fence that that would front that would um cause the the immigrants to come up like awful awful stuff but but still like he was so intent on catching these people. And then again, sort of the Monday meeting, the extraordinary, um, there's a scene where uh, David Spade's character, they're like, uh, if they are in fact aliens from another planet, sir, doesn't that make them air force jurisdiction? Yes. And, and Michael McKean is like, if they're just visiting, sure. But the minute they try to work here, they're mine. And I just really love this idea of like an INS agent trying to fight with Air Force over aliens, like an extraterrestrial incursion. Yeah. <laughs> there, there is something about the Michael McKean character that in the 90s is very cartoonish. Uh, mm. And now like today with everything going on is a little more like oof <laughs> yeah in, in a sense it hasn't aged well i mean obviously the things that are happening today were also going on then as the movie highlights um but now it seems there's a much broader general perception of it and, and general um stigma you yeah. know about the way people are treated and and he, he i don't know if he would work as well today as he as he did back That's, then yeah. i mean actually well, i mean this movie got negative reviews so in a sense he didn't actually work back then either yeah, I mean that's that's kind of what I mean a little bit. Where it's like, yes, these things were were perhaps still happening, uh, not that they were perhaps still happening, but they're you know th some of the issues we're facing today we're still facing then. But just like the way his character approaches it in the '90s feels so like okay, this is like a hyper exaggeration. 
where today, based on some of the stuff we've heard and seen, it's like, oh, but is it? You know, you can't <laughs> you can't approach it in that same way, even with it being Michael McKean, who is great because he's Michael McKean. Uh, and David Spade playing the most David Spade character ever. This <laughs> this super weaselly, like kind of power hungry. He was uh I can't remember the name of his character in the show on Just Shoot Me, but it's basically that character again. Uh oh, is it? And and I love but I love at the end because uh they go to Remulac briefly, and when they're gonna return back to Earth, Beldar is like, We're gonna take Michael McKean with us, but we're gonna leave David Spade. And immediately David Spade starts ingratiating himself with the leader <laughs> of the Coneheads in the same way of like, oh, no one understands you. I'm going to handle these things for you because, you know, no one should be bothering you. Like just, it's just immediately, that's who his character is. Is like, yeah, now I'm going to be the Weasley assistant on this planet. Right. <laughs> I, I would love to see a follow-up with uh, David Spade's character and how he, uh, uh, how, how far he goes uh, into that society. Right. Um, let's talk about Chris Farley's character. Yes, uh, Ronnie. Chris Farley, Ronnie. Uh, he, so Chris Farley plays Ronnie, and he's the the love interest of the Conehead's daughter. And for some reason, I'm blanking on the daughter's name. Connie. Ronnie. Connie Conehead. Oh, oh, Connie and Ronnie. Gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I was confused. I'm like, it could be Connie. Connie Conehead. Um, and. When we're first introduced to Ronnie, he's kind of a dickish car mechanic. Uh, also, I think they're all supposed to be like 17, 16, 17 or something like that. And they, of course, all look like they're in their mid-20s, if not early 30s. Yep. Um, but beside the point, um, so after the, but, but Connie takes a shining to Ronnie. Uh, and then at some point after that, we get a scene where they're like making out in a car or something like that, or they're, 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 it looks like they're about to lead to making out a car. And then Connie's not really into it. And she sort of like pushes him back and says like, I don't want to. And he kind of starts to force himself on her before she like really insists and gets out of the car. Um, and I mean, the movie's a comedy. Uh, that scene wasn't necessarily wasn't I, I don't know if it was meant to be comedic. It certainly wasn't. Uh, and I guess again, maybe just from my modern perspective, I, I hope this isn't just a modern perspective, but um, uh, certainly like he he was an asshole character. And then the idea that sort of become and I can appreciate that he came back around and 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 seemed as far as characters go like sincerely apologized for his actions. But I still felt like. Like Connie, come on, you can, you can, you can do better here. Yeah, it's a little bit of that of the tropes of the time, where like, ah, boys are are just horny little monsters who are going to try to feel you up in the back seat of a car. And to be fair, there are lots of of young teenage boys who are horny little monsters who will try to fill you up in the back of a car. Like that's sort of the bleak reality of that. But you're also right that that like. We should strive to be better. We shouldn't just like write it off as like, ah, boys will be boys sort of thing. Right. And it is, there right. is like the decent enough that they have Ronnie come around and say like, ah, I, I'm sorry about that. And it, at least have that bit of a redeeming quality enough to him and not just be like, oh, come on. You know, like the 80s jerk, like, oh, come on. I'm a guy. What do you expect? Right. Like he never, like he never learns to write. And. To I don't know fair, why I'm you, sliding into you, a Brooklyn accent the more I go on here. Uh, but, and obviously, uh, Ronnie may have been encouraged to change his ways a bit after Beldar said something along the lines of, I find you unacceptable. Yes, sir. If I did not fear incarceration by human authority figures, I would terminate your life functions by applying sufficient pressure to your blunt skull so as to cause its collapse. <laughs> yes, threatens to, to murder him. Also, after... Uh, picking up the car and, and tearing back the the roof of it. <laughs> he does that. And again, I mean, like, if I was Ronnie, like, I'd be, I would never come back, but it's just sort of like, yeah, okay, people do that. Like, I still got to pick your daughter up for prom or whatever. Yeah. This, this movie, what I love is continuously will kind of put the human characters confronting the alien nature of these characters more and more and has them just casually accept it uh further and further and i i really like that because like when when beldar pulls back the roof on ronnie and threatens him obviously that's an insane thing no human would do if 
Ronnie turned around and was just like, oh, man, they're aliens. I'm going to work with the INS guys to capture them because they're extraterrestrials. Like, that that isn't as as amusing or fun for a movie as just Ronnie being like, oh, man, your dad is really scary. Right. <laughs> and uh, another here's another random little cameo you might not have noticed because it's so quick. The coach at the swim meet is Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah, I didn't notice. I didn't. I didn't pick up on that at all. Seriously, so many people who would go on to have much bigger careers at a point where either they were like, "Yeah, I've been on SNL enough that I'm happy to do this for you," or like, "We're the new blood of SNL, and so we're doing this to get movie credits." <laughs> I really enjoyed the the aspect of them raising a daughter on Earth and the daughter growing up on earth and you know all this stuff is normal to her but she still has like this weird alien heritage and is like kind of that weird gap uh there is like a great part when she is i think it's after the ronnie stuff that we were just talking about and connie is really sad and uh primat goes to talk to her and says you know connie i read in a magazine you can talk to me about anything <laughs> it's so great because like magazines do have that kind of advice and it's like that's kind of i guess how people in- internally feel where it's like well according to this thing i read like i can talk to my kids about these things but she just like vocalizes it and i just love the idea of a parent sitting down and be like according to this article i read you can talk to me about anything like she's obviously doing it in a way that she really cares but it has sort of that uncaring cold language to it mm-hmm it's yeah yeah and 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 yeah and still um the, it was a heartwarming family tale yeah i actually found the relationship between all three of them to really work it really did for me <laughs> at the it, it did at the yeah. at the end when uh, when uh beldar fakes that the invasion has gone sideways and they've all got to like scoot uh but they're that's really just for them to be able to hang out on earth now for the rest of their life. Uh, he says to to Connie, or it's like, it's not every day where a father can literally give the world to his child. And I'm like, I was like, Oh, that's actually really sweet. That, that is really sweet. That was sweet. Or, or the, so this is something that I think, was it something else that we had watched? Not for some reason I'm drawing a blank, but what I love with some of these older movies was the creative ways they had to do what we would now just do with CGI and try to make it look as realistic as possible, even though 10 years from now we'll look back at something and be like, hmm. And obviously in this stuff, like the stuff with the spaceships or the like the sets when they're on Remulac, like it's obviously clearly fake, but there's still something kind of, for lack of a better word, charming mm-hmm. about it. Um, the, you know, I'm assuming, like, say the ships were probably little models that they were filming, kind of like Star Wars, um, or but or like the monster that Beldar uh, has to fight in the climax. Um, yeah, the stop motion, which was big clay guy kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, just 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 from a technical standpoint, you know, I, I really enjoy seeing these types of scenes. I find, yeah, uh, and that that also when he's fighting the monster. Um, those poor people that went before him <laughs> and immediately got their heads chopped off and thrown at the feet of the, the high cone, I think was what he was called. They, right. I'm, I'm glad that they didn't spend too long on that planet. You know, they, like right. the movie is only an hour and 26 minutes. Uh, and it really did actually get to a point where I'm like, wait, we're like through most of this already. Like it kind of, parts of it just kind of fly by, but I'm glad that they, you know, I know the the writer Tom uh, Davis, I believe, uh, was who we mentioned earlier. Um, he wasn't too happy with stuff getting pulled away from that suburban setting, um, and and I understand that. But I I think that it was okay to be on the planet for as long as we were. You know, all of like ten ish minutes, and if it had right. been on there much longer, like it definitely would have taken away from the charm of this movie. I think. Right. I think structurally, it, you know, the whole the point of the movie was that they were trapped on Earth indefinitely and was unsure. So then you get to this thing where, like, they've, you know, the characters have kind of hit a sweet spot 
of comfort. And then, you know, there's the, the moment of upheaval that leads to the climax. So, I mean, it's a pretty traditional storytelling technique. Uh, and it also allows you to juxtapose, you know, <laughs> what what now feels like ridiculous customs on Earth with the equally, if not more so, ridiculous customs on Remulac, which, despite being a, uh, a a people that you know have advanced technology that allows them to travel interstellar differences distances uh, and and potentially enslaved planets, um, was incredibly sort of barbaric and regressive in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it also is reminding me now for some reason, hearing you listed out like that, getting Invader Zim vibes uh, mm. from mm. from a, a bit of the ways of it. Yeah. The stuff with Remulac, I thought was, I thought, yeah, it was interesting that they, they still have, you know, we still have these gladiator battles. And yet the way they approach that is still with a little bit of mundane lens uh like when they're sitting there waiting for it to begin and the one woman is like describing the event and then she's like these seats are much better we used to be way up in the back like there's just something (laughs) so normal about that uh and you know this is an era where cgi wasn't at all a thing so even though the 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 monster that he has to fight uh the the garthok is a little like goofy it still has that 90 early 90s charm to it um i think a lot of this has because they had to do a lot of like tricks like there's a a part when um balder is smoking and he smokes an entire pack or belder he's uh he smokes an entire pack of cigarettes at once and it's obviously like they built this little rig that like would smoke out and like the tips of all of them would light up. But just for some reason, knowing that like they had to like build that. And this is like a thing that he's walking around with just really brought me a lot of weird joy (laughs) that someone's job was to make this. And that goes for like all the, the weird devices, like the, the, the motorcycle helmets that they made specifically to fit the cones where it's like, that was someone's job one day was to make this to fit their weird cone heads. Someone also had to make a prosthetic in order to get, make sure Dan Aykroyd did not have an actual butt crack. <laughs> yeah, he had, he had to sit in makeup, not sit, you, probably stand. <laughs> you just have to think like how mon- Monday, Monday, our lives must seem now. And you just think that someone, someone on planet Earth was born, went through a series of experiences, reached a point where they could presumably legally work as an adult, and somehow, maybe they wanted to be an accountant, but instead, somehow, they found themselves being a prosthetic uh, designer um, charged with creating a prosthetic uh, unibut. Um, <laughs> and I'm just like, what a life. You do have to wonder what that person, like, what thoughts were crossing their brain that day when they were putting on, like, because it, it, you know, it, it may have been Dadak, right? It may have been someone else, you know, because maybe he didn't want to walk around like that. Either way, there was somebody who was getting their butt covered by a flesh-colored, I don't know, like, flap, for lack of a better (laughs) word. And somebody had to sit there and do that, and they had to apply, they had to make sure that it looked right. They had to do tests on this thing. They had to make sure that it matched skin tone. They had to... (laughs) you know, put it on there and then put makeup around the edges to make it all blend in. Like what, at what point in this, are you like, this is my life. (laughs) This is what my life has led to. That's where they pull out an entire pack of cigarettes. That's That's why it was an actual practical device that this person had made for their own uses. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just sort of, you know, following up on exactly what you're saying in more of an aside that, you know, that, that, that's definitely relevant to Conan's is I really do get lost. Almost like it feels like a Wikipedia, you know, hole that you can fall into just thinking about, you know, so often the majority of people, like you watch the finished product of something and like, that's it. Maybe you don't think very far beyond that. Like, you know, that a production created it, but the idea that you're sort of maybe taking yourself out of the scene and wondering all of the little details that had to be considered in order to make that scene work, or yeah, that there's a professional butt molder or, you know, some (laughs) just, just, 
humanity sucks in a lot of ways, but humanity is also really funny and awesome in many, many others. Yeah. I think that's why I'm partially really uh, enamored with, with the Foley work, that there are people whose entire job is to create sound effects uh, for movies. And a lot of the time, the sound isn't what you think it is, right? Like somebody walking around on sand isn't just like, okay, sometimes it is like, all right, they filled the pit with sand and they just like took some steps on it. But sometimes they're like, all right, we need a very specific sound for when this one thing hits another thing and they have to, or, you know, when, when this weird robot moves and blah, 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 like it has to make specific sounds. And there are people whose entire jobs are to like figure out, okay, if I throw this banana against this plank of wood, is it going to make the sound that I want it to? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh and sometimes it does and i i that's there's just something about that that i love so much that yeah, true, people true pioneers yeah that people are still out there doing that like with this as weird as it is to attach something to to someone's butt like it, it brings me that weird delight that somebody <laughs> had, to, had to figure you heard it out. here folks david loves when weird things are attached to people's butt it depends on the weird thing and the butt <laughs> um yeah no this this movie was and i honestly this this is we've we've reviewed a lot of really cool things on this podcast so um side note thank you to all of the wonderful guests that we've had so far in these you know soon to be 20 episodes that will have been released by the time you hear my voice um and and even though like you know in some cases like you know the show is about revisiting things from my childhood you know and seeing if they hold up and a lot of times you know the guests will bring something that i haven't experienced before so i have been able to enjoy a lot of things that i never got to around the time where i would have maybe first experienced them and you know things like say total recall or this like sitting just it just i can often be like my mind can be very very critical when i'm consuming stuff um and this was the movie where just like once i kind of like got settled into it and, and just like really felt the vibe like i i, I really it, it, i was really sad when it ended which i guess is a great mark for a movie well that's that's good to hear that this movie depressed you uh with its mere <laughs> existence apparently <laughs> yeah i i realized uh, with you mentioning that when i go back and edit episodes there's a lot of times where uh, when we have people lay out their personal histories, they talk about it, and then I throw it to you, and you're like, "Well, I haven't really heard of it, so here's kind of my first experience with it." Uh, and then I, when it's my turn, there's so many times where I'm like, "Yeah, pretty similar to Nick." So you and I are very similar in a lot of that, and it's a, it's a little bit fun uh, to be on the other side where I get to come here and be like, "No, I do have a history with this thing for once," because I know some of the stuff we right. have coming up too. Like I have I have a feeling that you and I are going to be similar in those respects again. But it is, yeah. like you said, always so much fun to get too exposed, even when it's stuff that, like, at the end of it, I'm like, eh, that was all right. You don't have to go out of your way for it. The experience... Mrs. Popper's Revenge. <laughs> exactly. The experience of, of doing it for this thing and then talking about it with people makes it worth it. But right. I'm glad to hear that this was perhaps uh, worth it for its own reasons and for that... Let's go ahead and get into just our final thoughts. Is this something we think stays in the Hall of Memory, or is it worth visiting today? Since I brought it here, I will say it definitely held up. Uh, I appreciate it much differently now than I did as a child, and I also want to know why my parents were letting me watch this at an age where my memories weren't fully forming. Uh, But I found it today to still be very funny and very charming in these characters to be very amusing and yeah it's not groundbreaking cinema but it's unique in its own way and it it isn't a very long so it doesn't overstay it's welcome it's just a very funny movie i was very amused uh i'm very confused by the time of this movie i meant to talk about that a bit more because they land on the planet uh on earth i swear i'm from here uh they land on earth and it's sometime in the 90s and then like 16 ish years pass and it's still in the 90s i guess (laughs) uh it's everything's kind of frozen in time but 
that, you know, who cares? It, it fits perfectly in where it is, and it has enough details about these aliens and their planet and their lives for it to work, uh, for the world to work and for it to be amusing. And I just really enjoy hearing them go at random moments. It's a fun movie. I think people should check it out. It's on Netflix. It's a real easy get. Nick, this was your first time. Do you regret having to watch it? Do you hate me for bringing it into your life? Spoiler. or No, not, not spoiler. Plot twist. I hated the movie, uh. despite everything I just said. Um, no, I... Yeah, I love the movie. Let's, let's, let's keep it simple. Is it still worth visiting today? Yes. Um, is it verse, is it worth revisiting for people that may have seen it a long time ago? I would say yes. And as far as for people completely new to the experience, uh, I think it's also still enjoyable. I, I would yeah. be curious to take, you know, maybe like one of my, my nieces or nephews and like have them watch it, you know, where maybe they haven't been as exposed to, you know, things mm -hmm. from our childhood or even our older siblings or even parents' childhood. Um, but uh, I would like to think that my, again, imaginary kids uh, would find this enjoyable. Yeah, those imaginary kids, get, you get a lot of mile out of, a lot of miles out of uh, thinking they would enjoy things. They really struggle on math, though. <laughs> I'm going to love the, the day when you do have kids and we're on episode like 500 of this podcast, <laughs> knocking on wood, and uh, you being like, well, I finally showed them this thing and uh, they hated it. So, <laughs> 500 I was episodes i should do the math to figure out how much time that gives me let's not let's not <laughs> do that i mean it'll still be it'll still be 20 nope nope i was gonna say it's by the logic of this movie it'll still be 2020 by the time we do that but i think we're all ready for <laughs> uh for this year to not be a thing anymore yeah 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 20 2021 20 there we go yeah we'll be stuck there well, those are our thoughts on it. People, do you think we're crazy? Is Coneheads secretly terrible and we got it all wrong? You can let us know. Find our social media. Find our email address. You can get all that at hitmeonemoretime.com and let us know. Or if you enjoyed it and you have great memories of it, please let us know that as well. And of course, don't forget to take some time to rate review us in your podcatcher of choice. That's going to do it for us today. Nick, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, David. Where can people find you should you wish to be found? They can find me on Twitter at Nick Shermooksness. Uh, again, S-E-R-M-U-K-S-N-I-S. Yes, and people can find me at Davluz. That is D-A-V-L-U-Z. I am on Twitter and Instagram. See what I'm up to there. Thank you so much for listening. We do this show because of you, and we do this show for you. We'll see you next week, and remember, you can't move forward if you're always looking back. 